Well, good morning and welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. We want to welcome everybody here, and uh, if you're visiting today, a special welcome to you. We're glad you're here. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning as we get ready to worship our God? Is everybody ready to worship today? Good. Let's pray, and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come, to be with us, to guide us, to lead us. So, Father God, we thank you so much that we get to come into your presence today. And, Father, we just lay down all the things that have taken place this week, those things that weigh us down, those things that cause stress. And, Father, today we just lay them at your altar. And, God, once again we say that you are a faithful God who meets all of our needs. And today we come to worship you and to give you glory for all you've done. So we give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's worship him this morning. You are the source, and there is no one else. Lord, you are the source, and there is none other. So we turn our hearts, we turn our hearts, and we say, Lord, let my soul be satisfied in you. Let my soul be satisfied in you, in you alone. In a few minutes, I'm going to share on this theme because I know that there are people here today that you feel like you're stuck. You feel like you're in a dry place. You feel like the experiences of yesterday have faded And you're wondering what's wrong. And I want you to know that there's nothing wrong. But that God says in his word, he said, Every branch in me that bears fruit I prune, that it might bear more fruit. And so God is the author and finisher of your faith. Do you know that? God is the author and finisher of your faith. And in the same way that a computer programmer takes a, pro, a computer offline and, and then puts it online and takes it offline. Sometimes God takes you offline in order to upgrade your system. And all you have to do is to give him access to your computer. You know, he can't upgrade your system unless, unless he has access you know what I'm talking about, you computer programmers? You know, if you want to change the very root-level programming, you have to have a root-level access. And what we do is we say to God, yes. But if we don't say yes to God, then he can't do that. But we have said yes, not even knowing what it is that needed being done. But that's okay, because he knows what he's doing. And that's where our faith is today. He knows what he's doing. And he is doing an upgrade on you right now. And if he's taken certain lines, uh, certain systems offline, just say, hallelujah, God, you are the author and finisher of my faith. Right? If you used to operate in healing and you're not operating in healing right now, it's not because you lost healing. It's because God is saying, I want to give you an upgrade. If you touched a realm in worship of the prophetic and the presence of God used to melt your face almost, and then you're thinking, where is that? It's coming back better because God's given you an upgrade. 
Because God is streaming the source. He's cutting off certain things that ministered to you that were uh, from a lower pool and bringing you to a higher pool. So, Father, we trust you today. Can you say that? I trust you, Father. No, I mean, really say it. I trust you, Father. And I, I know what it's like to wonder in those moments. And usually, if you have any integrity towards God, you're not going to say, God, what have you done wrong? Because, you, you know, you can't. If you did that, you know, you can apologize. But, but I could never say that, even though in my heart, I thought, God, what are you doing? But I couldn't bring myself to actually articulate that with my lips, because I knew biblically and theologically, you know, let every man be a liar and let God be true. But I still doubt it on some level. What's going on? Do you even know what you're doing here? This is not how it's supposed to go. And God is saying, no, this is how it's supposed to go. So, Father, we trust you. And I'm just saying right now, uh, some deep unlocking. Where there's been fear, where there's been holding on, where there's been... Uh, I, I am feel like I'm losing control of this journey. Let it go. Let it go. Father, we want to release Holy Spirit to be the author and finisher of our faith. We want to say we let go right now. We don't know what we're doing. But you know. You know. And you're good. You are a good God. So take us to that next level, Lord. Take us through this. Let me just challenge you one more time around faith. I was thinking about this this last week. You know, sometimes we look at the Old Testament guys and we think, what's the matter with them? Look how many times God has proven himself faithful. Look how many times he's saved them from sure destruction. Look how many times that, you know, he's come through. Yeah, maybe it's at the last minute. Maybe it didn't go the way they thought. But why can't they just believe God? You know, these Old Testament kings and, and whatnot. Do you, do you know what they put their hands into? They're going out to battle. They're going out with their friends and they got swords and everything. And this prophet guy comes along, some Cam Hunter kind of guy. And he comes along and he's, you know, not everybody's sure what he's about. And he prophesies. He says, no, don't send the weapons out. Send a guy with a piano and a guitar. And we sit back from the comfort of our pews reading the scripture. That, Why didn't they understand? God was with them. They should have just, you know, dropped their swords and gone in. You know, grabbed a tambourine and just followed the worshipers. You do that. I mean, do we realize the place that they were in? You know, we, we look now and we think, oh, the prophets, they were, they were trustworthy. They were as trustworthy as the prophets in your life right now. They were still men with pants and children and lives and defects. We think, Why didn't they believe the prophet? God... It's so easy to look back at them and say, why didn't they believe? But I want to say to you, to God today, I want to learn to believe you. To trust in you and to believe your prophets. And Lord, to find those voices of life and faith and to say yes and amen. And to deal with the doubt and unbelief and the fear that ensnares my life. 
I want to say, God, I want to leave low living behind and I want to set my course. I want to go with you up the mountain of God. I want to live the high life of faith. I want to see the kingdom of God. And I say, Lord, let this be the end of fear. Let this be the end of doubt. Let this be the end of such struggle in my life. Let it be the end. Come on. I see, I see somebody cutting, cutting something. I'm not going to live in the shadow of doubt anymore. I'm not going to live in the shadow of this doubt and fear. I'm not going to exist by building higher and higher walls. I'm not going to live by building higher and higher emotional walls, creating distance between me and people. This is not the way. This is not the way. This is not the way. We will overcome. We will overcome. We will overcome. We will overcome. Come on. We will overcome. I know you've been hurt. I know you've gone into relationships where people were not trustworthy and things were not safe and things were hard. But the answer is not higher walls. The answer is not even a safe place. The answer is an overwhelming power that comes from inside of you. It comes from inside of you. There's a fire that devours the enemy. There's a fire that consumes and melts the rocks, the hills like wax, and it's inside of you. We are not looking for a place of refuge. We are not looking for a place of refuge. We are the ones that are releasing a consuming fire. Consuming fire. Consuming fire. Come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I thought we were done and we might not be. But uh, I, I feel God is saying you, you, every one of you are meant to be a high pressure system. You know, when you've got a boiler that's connected to other things and there, is, uh, there are valves, a series of valves. And if you open them up, the direction of flow will always be from high pressure to low pressure. The direction of flow will always be from high pressure to low pressure. And everything that is not God is lower pressure. And so many Christians, we live behind walls. We, believe, we, we, we look for a, a system that, of safeguards and vows that keep us from something that might intrude on our world. But there are no walls in heaven in the sense that there's nothing that's there for protection. There's nothing there that, that for safety because God is a consuming fire. And there's nothing that can make its way up toward him. Nothing that is against his name can ascend that hill. And when you are a manifestation of the kingdom of God, no weapon formed against you can prosper. When you are the manifestation of that high pressure system that is the kingdom of God, everything else is kept at a distance. Oh, we're about to move into a new season. The manifestation of the kingdom of God. Yeah.
prophesy. I want to prophesy that Canada is going to change. This nation is going to change. That this nation, it's been a, a, a cemetery for prophets. And the United States has been a place of refuge. And prophets in this nation that rise up and anybody who rises up of any significant spiritual stature is taken out. But I say there's a new system coming. There's a new atmosphere coming. There's a change of season coming. We prophesy. And even as I'm saying this, I feel the resistance. But I'm saying the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And Canada will be a safe nation for men and women of God. Canada will be a safe nation. Oh, come on. Can we contend for this? Can we say yes and amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that this can be a safe place? A safe nation? Yes. And there was a time in the nation of Israel when the prophets had to hide in caves. They had to hide in caves. They had to run away. They existed by running and hiding. But but there was a time when the season changed. There's a time when the administration of darkness ceased. There was a time when they didn't have to run anymore. Even Jesus left Judea when they were trying to kill him. And then when he went to go back, he says to his disciples said, Lord, they sought to kill you there. He said this. He said, are there not 12 hours in the day? He said, listen, there's a time of night, but then the day has come. And when the day has come, the righteous can walk freely. And we declare... We declare, we declare that in Canada, the day is coming. You know, we were going to do announcements in our offering now, but I think I'd actually like to share now, and then we'll do that stuff at the end. So let's, let's do that. I want to read a scripture from Isaiah. It says this, and it shall come to pass that your choicest valley shall be full of chariots and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. He removed the protection of Judah. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest and also saw the damage of the city of David, that it was great, and you gathered together the waters of the lower pool. You numbered the houses of Jerusalem In the houses you broke down to fortify the wall, you made a reservoir between the two walls. For the water of the old pool, you did not not look to its, its maker, nor did you respect, have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. Now this is a prophetic passage. I'm going to look at it prophetically today because it's obviously talking about a season when judgment came against Israel. And the first thing that happened, the first reason and the only reason why Jerusalem was overrun was because God removed its protection. I want you to think about that. Because when Israel was going into the land of Canaan, Joshua said very wisely, 
At one point he said, their covering has been removed from them. Their covering has been removed from them. And what that is, is that there is a spiritual covering that causes the advance of one kingdom and the retreat of the other. And when the covering of the one is gone and the other one remains, then it's, it changes. And we see that switch back and forth, back and forth. And some have interpreted, well, you know, God is wrestling against Satan. God is not wrestling against Satan. Satan is not God's adversary. Satan is our adversary. Satan is not God's equal in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the whole plan is that God is not bothering to get up from his throne. He's not bothering to do that at all. He said, listen, I remember my Bible college teacher years ago, he shared this and I thought, this is amazing. You know, it's, it's that scripture from Ephesians 3.10. He said, God is so unmoved by the challenge of Satan that he said, you see that? He said to Satan, you see that planet over there? I'm going, to, I'm going to make something from the dust of that planet, and that thing that I make is going to crush you. And that's why the Bible says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Whose feet? We're not waiting for God to come back to put the enemy under our foot. God is saying, I've already provided everything that's necessary for life and godliness. I've already provided it for you. And so Satan is not God's adversary. But you have this dynamic, this flip back and forth that we see from, you know, well, obviously, you know, Israel is struggling. But we know from Scripture their struggle is always a struggle of faith. It's always a struggle of faith that is expressed in obedience and honor. Even Moses, right? That time when he was, he was mad at the people of God because they weren't doing what, he, what they were supposed to do and they were doubting again. And, and, and God said to Moses, I want you to go and I want you to speak to that rock. And Moses went and you could say, well, it had nothing to do with a faith thing. It had nothing to do with faith. It was just, you know, he was frustrated with the people. Well, the reason he was frustrated with the people is he began to see the people as key, as the key, in, you know, encumbrance to seeing the will of God manifest. And God is saying, no, I just need one man to believe. And that man, Moses, was you. And in your frustration, you went and struck the rock when I said, speak to the rock. And right after that, God said to him, why did you not believe me to sanctify me before the people? So it is what? It's an issue of faith. Your anger sometimes, you know, and we do that, right? Our anger gets directed at the people of God or the church. Well, you know, God, if only the church would do what they're supposed to be, do. If only they were better Christians. If only, you know, we had better pastors. If only we had better elders. If we only had better, you know, tithers. Then everything would be all right. And God is saying, no, I just need one person to believe. One person that believes leverages my whole kingdom and everything within me against everything that's happening on the earth. And that's why God said to me early in, in, my, in my walk, I said, listen, you need to, you need to lock yourself into a, a faith equation with me and stop pointing your finger at my church. So I'm trying to make you so that you serve the church 
you provide something for the church. And if you keep thinking the church is the problem in your life, then you're missing the equation. I'm trying to get you to believe me so that you can bless the church. And you keep thinking the church is between you and God, me and you. The church can't stop you if you believe. So Moses' frustration was a, a, a manifestation of our own frustration. We, when we think the, the problem here is people and their limitations. Anyway, we could talk a lot about that. A lot of people mad at the church. But I didn't, I've never put my hope in the church. It didn't take long before I saw the weakness of man. But I've seen the wonder of God working through broken vessels that are men, that are imperfect, and it doesn't matter. The perfection or imperfection of people doesn't matter. I want to say that again. The, the perfection or imperfection of people doesn't matter. God has made you sustainable through faith. And the evidence that you actually are in faith is that you can love the people without resentment. Love his children without resentment. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there are people out there watching right now. You're in, you've retreated to the place where you've got four or five believers meeting in your house. And because the church is broken. Come out of there. Come out of there. Come out of there. Lord, we call right now to every hurt and broken person who believes that the answer is retreat, the answer is stepping back from the people of God and not loving your kids and believing your kids are dangerous and the ki your kids are unfaithful. We know your kids are unfaithful, but they're just kids. We're going to be, by faith, the adults. That's what spiritual maturity is. When you start being the adult. I, don't, I hope that makes sense to you, but but here, here's, the, uh, here's the issue here. It says God removed their protection, and this damage came. And, uh, and then it says, and you gathered, in verse 9, you gathered together the waters of the lower pool. You numbered the houses of Jerusalem. In other words, uh, there's a whole picture here. In other words, you, your, your, your walls were broken down, so you destroyed dwelling places in order to reinforce walls, and you, you created another lower pool between the two walls. Why were you creating pools? Obviously, to sustain yourself. Why were you creating walls? To protect yourself. And he said, but what you did, what, what you didn't do was the main thing, was you didn't return to the Lord your God. You, 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 didn't, you didn't start believing in him again. You didn't start trusting in him. So he said, to fortify the walls, you destroy these houses, and you made a reservoir, but you did not look to its master. Father, I pray. Uh, I feel like we're, many of us are just on the edge of punching through something. Punching through something. If you've ever seen a, a faithful person in your life, it's because they punch through the frustration that seems to be in your life right now. And they punch through to a supply, to a, a strength in God, a joy in God that made the frustration a non-issue. And you think sometimes the frustration right now is the circumstances of my life, my wife, my husband, my, uh, my church, my children, my job, my security. Those are not the issues that God is saying, listen, don't be like Israel, who their answer when God 
you know, when, they, when God started to show them that they weren't walking in the faith that they were supposed to, their answer was, let's build bigger walls. Let's tear down the houses we have we need to live in in order to get the very bare minimum protection that at the end of the day won't even protect us. When he said, the thing that you miss is your protection was in the Lord. Your protection is in the Lord. Your protection, your supply is in God. And, you know, don't feel bad if you, you had a moment of doubt. I don't know anybody in the earth who hasn't had a moment of doubt. Every time, every time I've, I've said to God, your children... You need to fix this guy. You need to fix this person. And he said, you need to come up. You need to come up higher. I'm calling you to come up higher. Actually, it's an invitation to a higher level of faith. Right now, that person that you think is the problem, you have actually set them up as the intermediary between you and God, and you don't know it. And you're, you're trying to see me through them. And I'm saying, this is an invitation. Come up. But it, the evidence that you haven't come up is you continue to blame that person. How many of you have seen somebody of faith in your life who thought, how did they do it? How did they love the church all those years? How did they keep reaching out? How did they keep having disappointment after disappointment after disappointment? People, people proving themselves unfaithful and again and again, and they still would come back and serve and bless and love the church. How do you do that? Come up higher. I go to the rock that is higher than I. I drink from the well. Did you hear the words of these songs? We go, we go, we drink. We're looking for you alone, you alone, you alone. We got all the right theology. But God is saying, I'm, I'm actually trying to make that real in your heart. And the freedom in it, friends, the freedom, the freedom. Oh, my goodness. If I could only have known, if I could only have seen the freedom I experience now, over 15 years ago. Oh God. Oh God. Let the promise of freedom. Overwhelm us today. That we'll do whatever it takes. To get over this hump. That's right in front of us God. Mm. And right now the room is filled with prophetic words. If I release people to minister. There are more prophetic words hanging over your lives right now, hanging over you. Words of destiny, words of promise. But, you know, don't make the mistake that just because you have a word over your life that you're going to walk into it. There is a journey of dying to unbelief, of overcoming with faith, of actually trusting, not just waiting, but actually doing what the word said. So, Father, release us into that. Release us into that, I pray, in Jesus' name. So this is the scenario, but I, one more thing about this. He talks about lower pools. If there are lower pools, it stands to reason there are upper pools. Because yep. there was lower pools, and then they made another pool. Why do they make a lower one? It's more accessible. And I think the church is always doing that. We're always making lower and lower pools. There's something about lower pools, though is that they tend to pick up more sediment on their way down, right? 
I mean, there might be an aquifer somewhere, but the, you know, the, the series of pools that are created by that stream of water that, you know, and, and it, uh, Jerusalem had that had access to water that come up from the center of the mountain. It's a spiritual, prophetic picture of the believer. That you have been given access to a fountain. That what faith makes you is a fountain. But what we'd rather do is live out of the pools that are created through the streams of life that's coming through others. But our promise is, the promise we talked about and that Gaylene touched at the beginning, that he that believes in me, out of his innermost being will flow what? Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. And there's a juxtaposition there between you are either a person who's drinking from the living water flowing from others or you have discovered that you yourself are a fountain. Now, once you've discovered yourself, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you don't need anybody else. Because the reality is there's always somebody with a better fountain. And what God does is he is he introduces us to people who, who, who have tapped in to that fountain higher up the mountain. He said, you could go there too. You could access that too, that life of God. But we inevitably, we, we start to settle in the lower places. Why? It's, it's easier to live in the lower places than the mountain. And the pool. Yeah, it's a little, there's a little bit of sediment in that pool, but you know, if you let it sit there in the jar for three days, all the sediment goes to the bottom and you just drink what's on top. He said, listen, there is a, there's a place where that living water comes straight from heaven. And if you don't understand how I'm jumping between these metaphors, I'm sorry. Jim will explain it next week. But God is saying there is a pure river of living water. And I, I want to say this again. There are, there are people right now, and I've seen a couple of faces right now. And there's, there's a, a young lady here today, and you, you've been in this church for years and years and years. But as you sit there, it's, a, it's like you've never really ever even tasted of the direct water of, of the living God. And God is saying, today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day. Because we can be in church all of our lives and never drink, drink directly from the fountain. We're always drinking from the lower pools. And God is saying, I want you to come up higher. I want you to drink from the fountain that is me. That's what faith is builds inside of you an access to the Spirit of God Himself. So, I want to move away from the Scripture, but I want to talk about this idea. And Gaylene hit on it again. We didn't talk before this. But the, years ago, the Lord showed me something. He showed me uh, how desperate I was as a young believer, and I was desperate. I was broken. I had all kinds of fixing that needed doing. 
And you know, God was so faithful in my life. I'd go into worship times, I'd go into ministry times, and the fountain of the living water would just flow over me and over me and over me. And uh, I didn't understand this at first, but but it's almost like, and, and I remember loving the, the flow of the, the river of God when I would worship. Oh, my goodness. The atmosphere was beautiful, but I, I felt the flow of that river inside of me. But it's almost like that thing would go up, and around it was this dish that would catch. It would be like a pool that would catch the river, you know, catch some of the water. So then I could drink for a period of time after that. I could feel refreshed all day long. And it was great, except for that thing was broken. It had cracks in it. If you ever try to carry water around, you know, with a cracked glass, what happens? Drips out. Gets dry really quick. And you get dry really quick when you're broken. And which creates this need inside of you for more of God. And God uses that to drive you towards him. But what happens, God starts to fix the cracks in your life. And you know what? You can go longer in between times when that fountain is shooting up because now that vessel is holding the water better. It's not slipping away. And that feels like, wow, this is real progress. You know, I, can, I don't even need to go to Wednesday night prayer anymore. I can make it through from Sunday to Sunday. Wow. <laughs> and God... God is saying, listen, I, I want to fix your soul. I want to fix your soul. I want to fix what's broken inside of you. But your renewed and repaired soul that can catch the waters of life is not what I've meant for you to drink out of. But without realizing it, that's what happens in our lives. As we, a little bit of restoration comes. Or worse, worse, we get born again and we are relatively emotionally healthy, if anybody could say that. But, you know, there are some people that are, have, been, have grown up in a more healthy, loving, nurturing environment. And they're, they're not as broken. You know what? They don't pant and they don't thirst the same way you did. It's like they can go longer in between drinks because they got this little reservoir. Seems to catch a lot of water. But whether you're that person or you're somebody that God is repairing, there comes a point where God is saying, listen, I want to deal with this one single thing in your life. And many of you are here today because you're right in the middle of this thing. And God is saying, I am shifting you from drinking from a restored vessel, from a, from a saucer plate underneath my fountain that catches the water. I want to transform you so that you're no longer drinking from that. That's for others to drink from, from your life. But I've called you to live from the fountain directly. I want your mouth right over that water spout. I want you sucking on that, that source. And not licking up from the, you know, we have a cat. And the cat, for some reason, just will not drink out of a saucer. But anytime there's a little bit of a drip coming out of that, 
you know, the, the, the tap. They got it, they're over there, up there. I've, I've, I have disciplined the cat so many times. I mean, it's not a very smart cat, to be fair. <laughs> and it may never learn, but it's up there on the counter. And God says, if only my people were as dumb as that cat. Because <laughs> it just likes the fresh stuff coming right out of the tap. That's the best freshness they know. But God is saying, listen, I am working in your life. And I am, I am the one that is restricting you from drinking out of the saucer of your life. Because I am weaning you in your heart of hearts. Because even, it's not a cognitive thing. It is a, it is a heart thing. They say, there is another level of drinking from me that you have not discovered yet. That is so sustaining, so pure, so overflowing, so abundant... You can't imagine it. Mm. And this is what, there's a whole generation of believers coming to this. And because, this is so important, because if we don't get this, others are going to get it. I've watched it, I've seen it. I see a young generation coming up. And not everybody who's singing hip songs and has a nice beard is one of them. It's not a cultural thing, it's not a dress thing. It's a spirit thing. But the other morning we were here praying and I saw this and I, I had my eyes closed and all of a sudden I saw this, this idea that the way we operate, we operate through recharged souls. So we come to church or we come to events or we, we go out, we have leisure time, we have entertainment time, we have video game time, we have listening to music time, we have me time, we have, we have uh, sports time, we have whatever. And all these things refresh our souls. They give us, you know, it's where nobody's drinking from me, nobody's pulling from me. And so I need this time to step back and recharge. God is saying, listen, I've not called my people to drink from or live from the power of rechargeable batteries. And we have this false notion, and I know I'm going to step on some, some shoes today, some toes, and we're going to squish some toes. But, you know, even Jesus retreated from the people. No, he didn't. Not for sustaining power. He retreated in order to get wisdom and knowledge. He retreated to lean into God more, not less. And when he was tired and thirsty and the warfare was great, the others fell asleep to get refreshed. And he said, could you not wait with me one night? He said, listen, you're leaning the wrong way. You're leaning the wrong way. Because I believe that there's a power and a grace coming that's going to energize the souls of men. It's going to energize your physical bodies. It's going to energize your thinking and your mind. There's a scale of life an overcoming resurrection power that is going to be manifest through a generation of believers. It's going to change the way you live. It's going to change your capacity. When you say, well, you don't understand, Pastor Mark, I'm an introvert. And as an introvert, I require, I require such and such. And, you know, I understand that. Believe me, I live with an introvert. Did I say that right? An introvert? 
She's a wonderful introvert. But God is saying, listen, what is your source? What is your source? Now, I didn't really understand this a few years ago, but I've had snapshots, these moments where God is saying, you don't know what's possible. Because all you've ever had is your own strength. You don't know what's possible. But Lord, I, you know, I, I need to renew my strength. Yeah, but how you're renewing the strength is not how I've meant you to renew your strength. What if your strength could be renewed by continuous connection to a, energy, a power of energy? See, the glory of God, the presence of God, the life of God is an energy. It's an energy. Huh. Trying to keep this straight because it's like there's this cascading river of knowledge that God is, God is trying to make us aware of right now. There is a supply. And we went, a few of us a few years ago, Steve Bain and a few others, we went down to some meetings in Florida. And I didn't notice it at the time. And I was, I was, we were looking into something. And there was, a, there was a manifestation of God that was great. And uh, there was other issues around it that made it a problem. But I noticed something. I started noticing that we didn't need sleep. I thought, I thought, I didn't even notice it till third day. I thought, wait a minute. We've been going to bed at 1, 2 in the morning and getting up at 6. And I, I have not longed for sleep. Not one moment. You know, wisdom would say, well, you better, you know, you need your sleep. You better cut back. You need your sleep if you're not being refreshed in another way. But what if God has called us to be refreshed in a way that's greater than me time? Oh. That's scary to people. I know. That's like, oh, I don't want to go through that dealing. Right, Jen? It's like, that'll kill me. No, it won't. It'll make you more alive than ever. Because, and this is what God is saying. Listen, don't lean on the things that you lean on. I am trying to introduce you to a power in me, a grace in me. Paul says, I labored more than all of the other apostles. That means I worked harder, more days, more hours, more traveling, more suffering, more difficult circumstances. And he says, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. He said, this is what he's saying. Listen, I have found something. How many people can you love? We talked about this before. How many people can you love? How much room is there in your heart? Remember we talked about that a few years ago, the Jerry Seinfeld thing where, you know, a fifth person was trying to make it into their group and Jerry Seinfeld had to block them off. Look at, I have three friends. I don't need any more. I, I don't have the capacity for more than three friends. And some are thinking, wow, loser. I have 20 friends. And the guy with 50 says, loser. And God is saying, I love all of my creation. Is there a capacity in God that he wants you to share in where you could love people without measure? Well, I don't know, without measure. Well, how about then start with a greater measure? You know what I'm talking about. I can let only so many people into my life because, you know, people hurt you. They prove unfaithful. What if 
What if you were satisfied, you had all the faithfulness you needed in God, and you could be the one who, as God has given his faithfulness to you, you could give your faithfulness to the unfaithful. Can you see the cascading effect of the kingdom of God? And God is saying, listen, I release my faithfulness to you, and you're somewhere on the mountain, and I want you to release that faithfulness by being faithful to the unfaithful. No, I want to I surround myself with faithful people because it's safer emotionally for me. God has said, no, you're the man. You're the woman. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does this make... See, there comes a point, and this, this, the juxtaposition between this sustaining power of God that covered Jerusalem where, and this other scenario where, where suddenly they were having to make do with what they could find on the ground around them. And God has said, that's my church. That's my people. There's this never-ending flow of my life and everything necessary for life and godliness but very few connect to the source. We connect to the pools of water that gather, and we drink from them, but when they're done, we don't know what to do. Where are you limited? Where are we limited? Can you forgive? Well, I could forgive this, but not this. If somebody did this to me, like I saw somebody do that to you, I could never forgive that. What God has invited, what if you could have my capacity? He's saying, listen, my capacity to love people, my capacity to pray, my capacity to labor. Yeah. And I'm not saying, well, this guy can work, you know, eight hours and then he can do this and, and you should be able to do that. Now, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is more. There's simply more. Yeah. More, whatever wall you're up against. If you're feeling a wall, if you're feeling a limitation, if you're feeling like, you know, you're not breaking through into something, God is saying, don't turn around, don't retreat. I've got more for you. I have more capacity. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can't have me time. I'm not saying you can't enjoy sports. I enjoy sports. I went golfing this week. Twice. <laughs> it's not about this is off limits. It's about God saying, enter into the more that I want to give you. We have this picture in the Old Testament in Moses says when he died let me read this to you when he died in Deuteronomy 34 7 Moses was 120 years old when he died and his eyes were not dim nor his natural vigor diminished Joshua 14 11 says as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, going, for going out and for coming in. 
What is that? It's power. Sustaining, overcoming, resurrection power. God is saying, well, you know, well, we, I've tried as hard as I can. It's not about trying harder. It's about shifting sources from one energy to another energy. It's about recognizing when you hit that wall that is the end of your strength, that getting more of your strength is not the answer. That, and this is why the measures are beyond our imagination. God is saying, listen, I don't want you to envision a better version of yourself, what you could do with a little more trying. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about transformation, a quantum leap from one level of supply to another level of supply that is impossible naturally. It is impossible for a 120-year-old man to lose all, uh, to not have uh, lost any of his vigor. And I don't know what he meant. I don't know what he's talking about. But vigor comes in all shapes and sizes. Joie de vivre, energy, ability to, to run with the young men. Joshua, to go in. He was 80 years old. 80 years old. He said, my strength for war has not diminished, not a bit. You think, well, you know, is this really what it's about? No, but it's a, it's a token and a reflection of a supply that is available. And this is what it says in the New Testament. It says, we have better promises. He said, that thing that was diminishing on, on, on uh, Moses is an old, an old covenant. And what we have is a better covenant established on better promises. Set your faith higher. Okay. God, how do we lean into this? And I'm not saying do this, don't do this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying set your heart to believe. Set your heart to believe. Ah. So, Lord, we want to present ourselves today to say, give us this living water. Give us this living water. Not as though we haven't tasted, but give us this living water. Lord, for physical sustenance, for physical strength, for, for years of strength, beyond what is naturally possible. But God, give us the ability that, that, that uh, Paul had, Lord, where he was able to labor more than all the others, and yet he understood, this is not me. This is something flowing through my life. This is something flowing through my life. God, and we say we do not want to live out our lives drinking from a diminishing pool. We want to be drinking from a fountain. And even as a generation is about to experience this wave of unprecedented, unprecedented, uh, overcoming life, we say, Lord, send it here. Send it here. Send it here to Parkland County. Send it here to Spruce Grove. Send it here to the churches of Spruce Grove. Send it here to the churches of this jurisdiction. Let something of a canopy come over our city, come over our region. God, in Jesus' name. Now, Darlene, I want you to come up. I, I know you're not ready for this, but come on up for a second. This, I think this is important. Uh, I'll, I'll help her with uh, what I wanted her to say because she said a bunch of things to me this morning, but she shared something about her testimony. 
She said this. She said, said, for so many years, God was trying to show me things about my identity. But every time he started to show me, I, it, it, I, I went running the other way because it demoralized me so much. But I realize now that it was all for restoring. And God is giving light to us today to restore us, to change us, not to make us feel bad about what we don't have. If anybody walks out of here today feeling bad about what you don't have because Pastor Mark said we should have, ah, 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 you missed the word. Can you share that part of the testimony or did I share it? Well, the greatest understanding that the Lord's given me is um, to speak clearly into the mic. (laughs) That he would try to bring correction to me or light to my soul. And I would go into condemnation and want to move away from that light. But the whole thing is that it's like if you're trying to fix a problem, he wants to put his finger on it to show you how to come out of it and to empower us to be able to. And I wanted very badly to please the Lord, and I didn't really fit in the church. <laughs> I wasn't coming from church stock. But when he started to show me that it was for my healing, that it was good, you know, and it's just so wonderful that the Spirit was giving me life, and my own heart was judging me. And uh, he spoke to me through photosynthesis. Okay, so it was the light of God coming in, an intangible thing, and making substance in my soul. So, Amen, thank you. Let me read this. I want to read the, because this is what God is calling us to do. It says, photosynthesis is a process used by plants and other organisms to convert light energy into chemical energy. that can later be released to fuel organisms, the organism's activities. And this is what God is saying. Listen, we've been living on a form of chemical energy, emotional impulse. But God is saying there's photosynthesis available for us. There's light energy. And light that comes in. And if you're not assured of who you are in Christ, if, you're, if you suddenly feel like you're falling short and that makes you want to retreat from God, then you're not getting the benefit of photosynthesis. He said, listen, light is meant to fuel change inside of you. There's energy that's going to come from my light. And the people of God that are overcoming have turned a corner where they're starting to drink the power of photosynthesis, light energy, rather than chemical energy. And he said, you've been drinking from the, from the bowl, so to speak. But I'm saying, drink directly from the light. Drink re- directly from the source. Drink re- directly from what I'm giving you. Because I'm changing you and I'm energizing you to do things supernaturally. 
So throw out all the measurements. Throw out all the limitations. Throw out all the shame. Throw out all the guilt. Throw out all the sense that, oh, I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. It's not about that. It's tapping into something that's high above your natural capacity. Paul rebuked the Corinthians. He said, they're acting like mere men. We don't want to act like mere men. The creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. A people that have tapped into an energy that comes from heaven and heaven alone. And it should, it should, it should excel and go so far behind, beyond what anybody in the natural could do. So, Lord, we set ourselves today. Let's stand up together. We ask today for more grace. And we say, Lord, there's nowhere to turn. Many of us are up against the wall. And you know, like, there's no going back. But it seems like there's no way going forward. Because it's a jump. It's a quantum leap jump from where you are now. A transformative jump into what you're meant to be. And I I just pray that you just keep leaning into it, leaning into it, leaning into it. Because there's change coming to your life. Everything you saw in others, and you wondered, uh, how could they do that? How could they live that way for so many years? It's coming to you if you will have it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we say, Jesus... The same yesterday, today, and forever. Make us like you. So perfectly stable in our loving, in our giving, in our service. So seemingly without end in energy. Forgiving 70 times 7 without a thought. 70 times... Listen... You, some of you are wondering, how can I forgive that person? He said, I'm going to enable you if you begin to walk in this and only forgive that person. But if 70 times that happened to you in a day, you'll have no problem forgiving it. I want to make you immune. I want to make you completely immune to anything that has hampered you and held you down and anchored you to this earth. I'm setting you free, says the Lord. So, Lord, we say we want it. We want it. We want it. Yes. Yes. Ah. Stretch up to heaven. Oh God, give us this living water. Give us this overcoming power. We want to say, Oh death, where is your sting? We haven't taken our offering this morning, but I want to take it right now. I want the ushers to get ready. And I'm not taking a a different offering, just our morning offering. But there are people here today, and you're stuck in some ways. And, And one of the ways you're stuck is you are living out of a finite resource. And one of the greatest manifestations of living out of that finite resource, whether it's your emotional capacity to deal with people or forgiveness or or loving people and let people in your life or whatever it is but the most concrete form of that is around money and that's why Jesus said you can't serve both 
mammon and God. Because to serve one is to mean not serving the other. And to serve the others means not serving this one. And so money is one of the greatest manifestations of a limited resource that we have. And God is saying, even with money, I'm telling you, I can breathe upon the earth and satisfy the need of every living thing. I can release a command of blessing on your business, on the world around you, and cause it to flourish in ways that suddenly your business begins to produce 10, 20 times what it's making right now. I've got more ways than you possibly know, but you're locked into this. Well, I'm on a limited income. No, you're not. You're only on a limited income because you believe you're on a limited income. And giving is a manifestation of the beginning of faith. It says, even if I am, even if I need 100% of what I think I'm giving, God, I'm, I'm stepping out of this limitation, and I'm going to start giving. Because it says, give, and he will be given to you. And that's one of the ways we step into that limitless flow. Give, and it will be given to you. So we're going to give today. And if you're afraid to tithe, you need to give. And if you're afraid to give more than a tithe, you need to give more than a tithe. You need to break the tyranny of the limits. And maybe there'll be a trickle-down to the way you love people. And maybe there'll be a trickle-down to the energy that you have in your day to put up with struggles and strife and problems. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to tap into that unlimited resource that is the kingdom of God in every conceivable way. Now, you can't give what you don't have, so please don't write bad checks. (laughs) That's not faith. You give what you have, even if it's the widow's might. Because the widow's might is more than somebody who has money. So, Father, we want to receive, Lord, step into that. We want to give today as as a reflection of our willingness, our desire for the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Well, just before we release you, I think it's important to share a testimony. Do you guys remember, I think it was last Sunday or the Sunday before we prayed for Kathleen? Yes. Yes. Okay, so those of you who don't know who Kathleen is, this is Kathleen. So come here, Kathleen. Uh, We prayed for her wonderful boy. Why don't you just share a little bit of what happened there? Uh, So it was just last Sunday um, that uh, God had started to reveal to me that my faith and my source uh, was uh, in the wrong place when it came to my son. Um, For the past few years, we've been dealing with speech delays, and they've started to um, set us up with appointments to get his anxiety uh, checked out and to test for autism and Asperger's. And I started to realize that I had a lot of fear in me um, and that I publicly needed to speak out who God was over my son. And so that was just last Sunday. On Wednesday, Gaylene and I met and she started to teach me about my spirit speaking into my son's spirit. And on Thursday, his teacher came out of the classroom just before she released him, and she said, I need to know what you're doing at home differently 
because your son is not the same child. So that's the God we serve. Whatever you're going through, call him into the situation. Amen? Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Goodbye. We love you.